This morning I want to begin a mini-series called The Four Cups. And it really has to do with Passover. As some of you already know that Passover is an observance of the flight of the children of Israelites from where? <coughs> from Egypt. It is also pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ who is the Lamb of God who takes the sins of the world. About 3,500 years ago, the first Passover took place, celebrating their freedom from captivity. And today, Jews all around the world have what they call a Seder celebration. The word Seder literally means order. These four cups at this Seder celebration are taken in order. And it's commemorative to the promises of God that he spoke to the children of Israel when they were about to be delivered. But also we see promises that are pertinent to you and I. These four promises are life-changing. In general, let's first of all look at the promises of God. Everyone say, I thank God for the promises of God. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, it says this, Through these he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you and I may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world that is caused by evil desires. So we see the promises of God enable us to participate in the Zoe, the God kind, and the God quality of life. And the promises of God also bring what we would call escape from any corruption, from anything that would defile us in our lives. How many of you know that God keeps His promises? He watches over His Word to perform it. In Hebrews, the 6th chapter, the 17th and the 18th verse, from the message translation, it says, When God wanted to guarantee His promises, He gave us a rock-solid guarantee. Amen. God can't break His Word, and because His Word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. Isn't that good news? We serve an unchangeable God who changes not. Praise God. His promises are sure. And there's thousands upon thousands of promises in the Word of God. Amen. For every specific problem that you and I face, there is a specific promise or promises that overcome the problems. We are not to be overcome with evil. We are not to be overcome with the circumstances that life brings us. We are not to be overcome by the thief who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But thank God, we take the promises of God and we overcome evil with good every time. Amen. And so I want to challenge all of us. We need to know the promises of God. If you're dealing with fear... Know that 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God didn't give you a spirit of fear. But a what? Power and love and of a sound mind. If you're dealing with sickness and disease, you got to get the promises on the inside of you. 
Psalms 103 says that he forgives us all of our iniquities and he healeth us of all our diseases. Perhaps you might be dealing with weakness. Well, find a promise. There's plenty of promises in the word of God that say strength belongs to us. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 is just one of an array of scriptures which says the joy of the Lord. You can do a little bit better than that. Say this with me. The joy of the Lord. It is my strength. And then once you get the promises, pray for spiritual understanding. Pray for what the Greek called, Greeks called epinosis, a knowledge that is beyond the head, a knowledge that gets down into your heart. It's called revelation knowledge. Amen. Did you know today that God's promises are for your good and for my good? In Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the plans that I have for you. Glory to God. COVID can't shut the plan of God down. A pandemic can't shut the will of God down for your life. It may have shut certain things down, but I know a God who raises the dead. I know a God who raises dead businesses. I know a God who raises dead churches. I know a God who raises dead limbs. We serve a God with whom there is no limitations. Mm-mm-mm. You could preach. I heard the organ on that one. Can't shut us down. Can't shut us up. We're coming up. We're coming out stronger and stronger and stronger than we have ever been before. This blood-bought church is on the move. God is on the rise. I say by the Holy Ghost, let God arise and His enemies be scattered. Woo! Got great plans. Plans to prosper you and not hurt you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. How many have ever wondered, isn't there more? The reason why you may be wondering, isn't there more? Because there is more. <clears throat> you ever been to a restaurant <clears throat> and paid good money? And they brought you a little dab of food? <clears throat> and you said, really? Where's, is that the appetizer? We went to a dinner up in the Napa area with several people years ago. And I'm telling you what, we paid good money. And they came out and the steak was about this big. And then we thought, well, we'll get dessert. And the ice cream was about this big. And the bill was about this big. And I'm thinking, really? There's more. I said, there's more. God's got mucho, mucho mas for you and your hacienda. He has mucho, mucho mas. Did I say that right? Much, much more. I want to dance on that one. How much more? How much more? He's the God of much, much more. He's the God of more than enough. Now let's look at these promises and we're going to cover two cups this morning. In Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6 and 7. Exodus 6, verse 6 and 7. Therefore, 
Say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. That's good right there. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Number two, I will rescue you from their bondage. Number three, and I will redeem you with an outstretched, glory to God, arm and with great judgments. And then number four, I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you're going to know that I am the Lord your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Four core promises. Four cups celebrated in the Sadar celebration. But also the four cups of our salvation. Cup number one represents to us the cup of salvation or the cup of rescue. He says here, I will bring you out. I'm going to bring you out from under Egyptian bondage. There was a time where you and I also were under the bondage of satanic rule and under the bondage of this world system. Ephesians, the second chapter, talks about it. In verse 2, it says, Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our manner of life in times past, and he listed the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others, but God. But God. Aren't you glad it didn't stop right there? But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love, wherewith He has loved us, even when we were dead in sins, He quickened us together with Christ, and by grace we are saved. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But He paid the price for us anyhow. It is by grace that we are saved through faith. It is not of ourselves. It is the glorious gift of God. My brothers and sisters, He rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son. He purchased our freedom and He forgave us of all of our sin. And we responded to that at one point in our life. If you've not yet responded to this cup of salvation, let me share with you how you can drink in of this glorious cup. In Romans 10, in verse 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy what? The Lord Jesus and believe in your what? That God has raised him from the dead, what will happen? You will be saved. And then verse 10 gives us the heart and the mouth connection that brings us unto deliverance or salvation. Read verse 10 with me. It says this, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. 
I'll never forget the night that I confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord and as my Savior. Praise God. I was 24 years old in a treatment center, but Jesus found me right where I was and lifted me up, praise God, out of the miry pit and raised me up and made me sit together with Him. And it's all by His mercy and it's all by His grace. And so we drink in of this cup of salvation by a declaration, by a confession. Praise God. Christianity is called the great confession. But now listen very carefully. We must, as born-again Christians, continue to drink in and continue to partake of this cup of salvation. What are you saying? No, I'm not talking about getting born again again. There's no such a thing. I'm not talking about getting saved over and over and over again. I'm talking about living a life where we drink in of the cup of believing and speaking and declaring and it brings us unto salvation. This word salvation is an all-inclusive word. Once you are saved from your sin, God wants to save you from disease. Once you are saved from your sin, God wants to save you from poverty. Once you are saved from sin, God wants to save you from weakness. And it is by believing in your heart the promises of God and declaring with your mouth that brings you unto a place of safety. It brings you unto a place of freedom. It brings you unto a place of healing. It brings you unto a place of divine joy. Come on, somebody. Woo, glory to God. If you want to get unto those things, drink up. Drink up. Drink up. Speak up, believe up, and you will have up. Don't neglect the promises of God. Continually feed upon them. Drink in, feed on the goodness of God. In Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20, he said, My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Many times I have to ask myself, Mark, what are you giving your attention to? Because it is so true. Whatever we attend to the most will be the harvest that shows up in our lives. Incline your ear to my sayings. That means other words out and his words in. Let them, verse 21, not depart from before thine eyes. For they, my words, are life to those that find them, and they are health and medicine to all their flesh. You see, there's got to be a reason why he tells us to guard your ears, to guard your eyes, to guard your mouth. There's got to be a reason why. And I believe that one of the main reasons is this. Drinking in of this cup of salvation and sowing God's word into the soil of our heart is the avenue to getting God's word in our heart so that we can obtain and harvest. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And so what you hear and what you see and what you speak the most will enter into your heart and it will determine what kind of harvest you're going to have. Say of me, I purpose in my heart to drink in of the cup of salvation.
Let's do that right now. Let's declare some things together. Say it with me. I am part of the body of Christ. And Satan is under my feet. He has no power over me. I believe and I declare but by, that by the stripes that wounded him, I am healed and I am made whole. I boldly declare that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I say strongly that I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Ooh, drink in. Drink in. Believe up. Speak up. The cup of salvation. Now the second cup that we're going to look at this morning and one that we'll spend a little bit more time on is he will free you. Now notice again in verse 6 and verse 7 of Exodus, he said, Therefore I say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will rescue you from their bondage. Now that's two separate things. It almost sounds like it's the same thing, but he brought them out so that he could bring them in. Say it with me. God brings us out so that he may bring us in. Now here's the truth about it. The children of Israel were ready to dance when they went through the Red Sea. They were on the other side, they were dancing, and they were rejoicing. But just a few days later, a wilderness mentality entered into their mind. And they looked back at Egypt, and they gazed back at the onions and the garlic and the leeks. And they were deceived to thinking, oh, would to God that we were back there. Yeah, right, getting beat up every day. Having the taskmasters eat your lunch. You see, our minds can go cuckoo, if you will, if we get off our covenant and we look back to how good things used to be. How many of you know things before Christ didn't used to be so good? Many of us were almost, almost dead. But they got this wilderness mentality. Now we could say it this way. They came out of Egypt, but for many of them, Egypt did not come out of them. Are you listening to me? Jesus, the Son of the living God, came to be your Savior, but also He came to be your Deliverer, and He came to be your Freedom. Now, in Galatians, the fifth chapter, notice with me in verse 1 of Galatians 5. And I want you to read it with me, please. Ready? Read. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Stop right there. What is liberty? Freedom. So he tells us now, once you have been set free, stand fast in that freedom. And then he warns us, wherewith Christ has made us free... And be not entangled again with what? 
the yoke of bondage. In other words, you have been transferred out of darkness. Now you're in the kingdom of God. Now let your lifestyle be as one that becometh a child of the living God. Now in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 23, he says, And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he swear unto our fathers. Glory to God. One translation says it this way. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in. Now, does anybody know what God's plan was for them once they left Egypt? Not only to go over the Red Sea on dry ground and be free, but he had another plan and a higher plan. And that plan was that they'd enter into the what? Enter into the promised land. Now, the promised land represented to them a land of freedom. A land that flowed with milk and honey. A land where they would have their own. They would have their own land. They would have their own animals. A land of promise. The Bible talks about the dew of heaven. And for them in this promised land, for them to have days of heaven right upon the earth. Praise God. And did you know that you and I also have a land of promise? The land of promises are outlined in the promises of God. Now look with me at at Colossians 1 and verse 13. We've already quoted it, but let's look at it again. It says here, Who has delivered us from what? He has delivered you and I from the power of darkness, and He has translated us into what? The kingdom of of his dear son. Now, how many of you would agree with me today, Pastor Mark, being delivered out of darkness is an awesome thing. But he didn't stop there. He also translated us into his kingdom. Now, when I look at the kingdom of God... The kingdom of God to me represents freedom. The kingdom of God represents liberty. It represents to me emancipation from all sorts of bondages. Come on, somebody. I'm just here to announce to you today that we have changed positions and we have changed locations. You and I are in a whole new kingdom. We are in a new realm. We are in a new place of residency. You talk about moving on up. That's exactly what happened. Glory to God. We could say it this way. We have moved from condemnation corner to righteousness road. We have moved from broke boulevard to prosperity place we have moved from disease drive to healed avenue hallelujah glory to god 
Glory to God. Weakness Street to Joy Boulevard. Amen. Say with me, I have been delivered. Oh, praise the Lord. Now, I've been around long enough. Brenda and I have been in full-time ministry for 44 years. We're in our 39th year here at Heart of the Bay Christian Center. And by the grace of God, we're going to go for 50. Praise the Lord. Now, if you don't want a pastor that's 80 years old, you better uh, believe God to get a new one. (laughs) But we're going to have other people joining us. Praise God. They're going to help us. Amen. After all, I'm only 60. I got, you know, a lot of time left. Praise the Lord. 60 plus 10. But you know what? I feel better now than I did when I was 50. I really do. I'm not just saying that. I'm not lying about that. I feel better as a 70-year-old than I did as a 50-year-old. To God be the glory. And look, that's available to everybody. See, the Bible says that the life of God can be made manifest or it can show up in your mortal body. Now, it's about cultivating that life and not talking death. I think it's important for all of us to stop talking our aches and pains. It's just as easy to say I'm healed than it is to say I'm sick. But the difference in those words is huge. Because death and what? And life are where? In the power of the tongue. I'll say it this way. Death and life are in the power of your tongue. Death and life are in the power of your believing and your speaking. So I think it's important, not that we don't have challenges, not that we don't have to face some aches and pains from time to time, not that we don't face uh, some situations that in the natural realm may be difficult. But folks, we can overcome those things with our covenant that we have with God. By schooling ourselves into faith. What does that mean? That means whatever we face, let us speak the word only. Are you listening to me? Well, now, pastor, I don't know. You know, my mind seems to be going on me. You need to get it back. I said, you need to take your mind back and stop entertaining thoughts of dementia. Stop entertaining thoughts of Alzheimer's. Are you listening to me? Somebody says, well, I just just can't think of that person's name. Maybe you deleted him. (laughs) Maybe you're not supposed to remember their name. But on the serious side, we need to lay hold of the truth that you and I have been given the mind of Christ. And here's another truth. We need to lay hold of the truth. In other words, possess the promise. This is part of the promised land. This is a part of freedom in your mind, in your soul. Lay hold of the fact 
that we have been given a sound mind. Your mind is your mind. The devil cannot have your mind. For you have a sound mind. You have the mind of the anointed one. Say with me, the anointed one. And his anointing is working in my spirit. Is working in my soul. In my mind. My will. And my emotions. The anointing is working in me now. Thank God for the anointing. Amen. Now when God says that he would renew your youth like the eagles, he wasn't kidding. That's part of your benefit package. That's part of your freedom package. It's right there in Psalms 103. He said, he renews your youth just like the eagles. So say that with me real strong. Thank you, Father, that you are renewing my youth just like the eagles. The older you get, the better you get. Hallelujah. Now, I started to say this. Brenda and I have been around a few days by the grace of God. And this is not condemnation. This is just the way it are, okay? It's been our observation that even though we have these exceeding great and precious promises, yet many are stuck. Many are stuck. And they need freedom from certain issues. How about the woman with the issue of blood? She had an issue. Did she receive freedom? Now the good news is this. Whatever issues we face, he promised in this cup of freedom that he would set us free. Glory to God. Somebody says, oh... Pastor Mark, I thought you were a faith preacher. I am a faith preacher. But I've also been around a few days. And a lot of folks, they deny that they have issues. And that is their issue. There is such a thing as foolishness and presumption that people have really thought that it was faith. You know, if I just deny it, deny it, deny it, deny it, oh, I don't have pain, I don't have pain, you're taking the wrong approach. In the midst of pain, you call yourself free from pain. You do not deny the fact that there's pain present, you deny the pain to stay. And there's a big difference. It's like a person that would say, oh, you know, I don't have bills. I don't have bills. I don't have bills. And they're like this off the floor. No, your issue is you have bills. So you don't deny the reality that you have bills 
What you do is you deny lack and poverty to rule and to reign over you. And you take the promises of God and you call those bills paid because you serve a God who is more than enough. He is Jehovah Jireh, the one who supplies your need. And folks, he's your source, but he has multiple avenues that he can work through. So that those bills go down, 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 and eventually debt free. Well, I don't have debt. I don't have debt. You have issues. <laughs> Let me give you a little list, okay? You need to drink. From the cup of freedom, when your past is still dictating your present and determining your future. When you have a hurt that you can't get past. Or when you have a heartbreak that you're still talking about that your high school sweetheart dumped you. You need freedom. When you have unforgiveness in your mind, in your heart, over something that happened 20 years ago. And God wants to heal that wound up, but you keep opening it up and talking about how they did you wrong. You need freedom. When you've settled for a life that's less than God's best, Because there's addictions and sin and you can't seem to get out. You need freedom. When you're so emotionally spent that you can't sleep at night. When you're so worried about what's happening in this world. I want to remind you, we are not of this world. We're living in this world, but we, oh glory, we got a covenant from another world. You can't sleep at night because of what the talking heads are saying. You need freedom. You need freedom if you don't have a passion to move into your future with God. Now, here's the good news. Freedom is absolutely available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When I came into the family of God, I had issues. Believe me, I had issues. Well, pastor, what were some of those issues? Never you mind. My issues are none of your business. In the past. Hallelujah. God wants his people to be free. Be free. In Ephesians, the chapter 1, verse 7, and this is from the message translation, and I want you to read it with me. Ready, read. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross, were a free We people free of penalties and punishments chalked up 
by all our misdeeds and not just barely free, either abundantly free. Say it with me, not just barely free, but abundantly free. Now listen, this is talking about freedom not only in your spirit, but this is talking about freedom in your soul and in your body. Drinking in of this cup of freedom by continuing in the word of God and letting it dwell in you richly, it will make you free and keep you free. But a continual drinking and a continual freedom will affect your spirit. It will affect your soul and it will affect your body. Say this with me. Freedom Freedom. comes on the wings of what? Comes on the wings of truth. Do you like that? It comes on the wings of truth. I love that. Praise God. So what do we do? Now that we are no longer in Satan's camp. Now that we're in the king's camp, we've got some responsibilities. And these responsibilities are so vital. In Romans, the 12th chapter, I want you to notice with me in verse 1 and verse 2. How many of you know when you got saved, you still had the same body? When I got saved in March of 1975, I went into that place with my eyes brown and I came out with my eyes brown. You know, if you had a pug nose before you were saved, you have a pug nose after you're saved. Right? We don't, folks, we don't get a glorified body until we get there. So God has given us something to do with our body. Did you know that your body will rebel? Oh, I'll guarantee you, some of your bodies rebelled this morning. The alarm clock went off and you said, shut up. Your spirit man said, it's time for church. Your flesh said, stay in bed. Your spirit man said, get up. Your flesh said, no way. But you got up. And you got ready. And you came to church. That is not your body dominating you. That's you dominating your body. Paul said, I keep under my body and bring it. He called his body an it. I bring it into subjection. Your body is to be subject to the real you, the inner man, the spirit man, where the Holy Spirit is. And he said, I keep under my body. What does that look like at the dinner table? What does that look like when Marie shows up with her calendar's pies? I mean, there's coconut cream here. There's pecan over there. And there's pumpkin there. And your flesh says, I want it all. But your spirit says, no, you can only have one piece. Oh, give me another piece. Give me another piece. Shut up. That's you dominating your body, your body not dominating you. You see a member of the opposite sex, your flesh says, oh, I got to have that. 
Your spirit says, in the name of Jesus, shut up, boy. And bring your flesh into subjection. He said, I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. Now notice, lest that by any means, while I have preached to others or while I have proclaimed to be a Christian, I myself should be a castaway or disqualified from the race. Now here's what Paul told the church at Rome in verse 1. You can handle this, can't you? I don't see a lot of dancing, but it's all right. You get hold of your flesh and you get hold of your mind, you'll dance later. In Romans 12.1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, oh, by the mercies of God, that you... The you that he's talking about is your spirit man, the inner man. That you present your body, what kind of a sacrifice? A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is what? One translation says, which is your spiritual worship. Think about this. When you control your body and your body doesn't control you, you're worshiping God. You know, we've equated worship just to come into church and lifting up holy hands, and that's a part of it. But spiritual worship has also to do what you do daily with your flesh. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So one way that we drink this cup of freedom and maintain our freedom so that we're not entangled again with the yoke of bondage, addictions, and sin, come on somebody, is by presenting our body daily to God. What does this look like? Every day, I yield to you, Lord. I'm the temple of God. And I am not my own. Therefore, I submit my whole spirit, soul, and body to you. And then, invite him to help you. Say with me, invite him to help you. If you ask him to help you, will he do it? He's not like man. You ask them to help you out and they say they will and never show. He's not like man. He's God. He's God all the time. He's God in the morning. He's God at noon. He's God all day long. He's God in Hayward. He's God in Oakland. He's God in San Jose. He's God in San Francisco. He's God all over the place. He is God and He lives in you. And if you yield to Him, He said, I'll walk with you. I'll talk with you. I'll lead you by the way. I'll show you how to profit every day. I will quicken you in your soul. I will quicken you in your body. Hallelujah. But just invite him. Invite him. This is your homework for this week. Get up tomorrow morning, raise your hand, and say, Lord, I present my body 
as a living sacrifice to you. Let's try that on for size right now. Lift up your hands and say this with me. Lord, I present my body as a living sacrifice. I'm asking you by the Holy Ghost to help me, to enable me to control my flesh by the grace of God. Mm. he'll do it in Romans 8 verse 13 let me quote it to you it says but if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body you shall live so one way that we drink in this cup of freedom is by presenting our bodies to God another way is found in verse 2 of Romans 12 are you getting anything yet Romans 2 verse 12 says this And be not conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed or changed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And here's what the Lord spoke to me. He said this, the renewal of your mind will be the catalyst for the removal of your issues. The the renewal of your mind is a catalyst for the removal of the issues that come against you. And great transformation and great change happens when you get serious about renewing your mind. Transformation takes place change takes place appetites change vision changes when you renew your mind you'll no longer see yourself as an old sinner saved by grace when you knew you renew your mind you'll see yourself as the righteousness of god in christ You'll see yourself as the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You won't see yourself as a failure. You'll see yourself as a success. Going somewhere to succeed. But many people haven't taken the time to renew their minds. And as a result, there's not been the removal of the issues that they have dealt with for years and years. It's my responsibility. It's your responsibility to renew your mind. In verse 36 of John 8, in the Amplified, it says this. So if the Son liberates you and makes you free men, then you are really and unquestionably free. In closing, this cup of freedom that we drink in of regularly, it brings us to a place of having victory over sin. What this means, it gives me victory over the things that I've done. Romans 6, 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you're under grace. So victory over sin. The second thing that it does, when we drink of this cup of freedom... It gives us healing from our wounds. And wounds mean wounds that have come into our life from others. 
When you walk in this freedom, you cannot hold anybody in bondage to unforgiveness. When you walk in this freedom, you cannot allow yourself to be bitter one day longer. John Maxwell said it like this. It's time for us to get better, not bitter. And then thirdly, it gives us authority over the enemy. I'm going to invite Pastor Tom to come up and the singers to come up. And I just want to tell you that God's on your side. He is for you. Keep drinking. Keep believing. Keep declaring. Keep presenting your body to God. Keep renewing your mind. Celebrate the freedom wherewith Christ has made you free. Someone said it this way. Your celebration is a demonstration of your expectation. Say that with me. My celebration is an expectation and a demonstration of my expectation. C.S. Lewis said it this way. Joy is the serious business of heaven. We ought to rejoice because we are free. So let's stand up for a moment. And I want to quote a struggling preacher that has just a handful of people in Dallas, Texas. You may have heard of him, probably not. A man by the name of T.D. Jakes. You ever heard of T.D. Jakes? He said something that I think is appropriate. He said, if you don't rejoice, the devil will think that he's winning. So what do you say? We rejoice in the cup of the Lord. What do you say we get happy today? Because we're no longer in the kingdom of darkness. What do you say we get happy today? Because we are free. We are free. Say with me, I am free. I am free in Jesus. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. And true biblical freedom starts by getting saved. So if you're watching today or even if you're in the house, let me lead you to Jesus who will bring total freedom into your life. Let's put our hand over our heart and let's declare this together. Jesus, you're the son of the living God. I believe strongly in my heart that you lived a sinless life. You hung on the cross for me and you took my place. I believe firmly that you were raised from the dead on my behalf. And now I invite you into my heart. And I say to you today that you are my Lord and you are my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for coming into my heart. Praise God. Can we get happy over someone that got saved? Hallelujah. Now, if you've done that for the first time, would you text us? Would you please let us know? We want to hear from you. We want to know what God is doing and has done in your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, Father, we rejoice today. We magnify your name. Glory to God. Go ahead and pray a little bit in the spirit. Oh, breke selam rande. Kele broko samanish telebronde. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. You ready to sing? Let's do it right now. Amen. Amen.